So, um, of all the things that were like going on in Puerto Rico, um, kind of one of the, Joelle touched on it a lot, um, but like I saw so many answers to the question of where was God? When natural disasters like that happen, that's one of the first questions people ask is where was God? What's God doing in all this? The, the testimony about the shelter that she was, um, that she was referencing where um, God was building up the shelter in preparation for it. Um, even going so far back as, you know, the cross and redeeming us from the curse um, that causes that stuff in the first place. Um, the, the answer to all that really is just, you know, where's God? Working. Um, the, there was one uh, testimony in particular that like really stuck out to me as well. Um, we, at one point we were kind of impromptu called to this guy's house, this family's house, where their, I think their grandfather or something like that was, um, was on the bed sick and dying. Um, you, you walk, as, from the first look at him, you could tell that he lived a full life um, when we got there. And the thing that like kind of hit me as we were praying, um, Pastor Dave was saying, um, he referenced Moses and, um, and Caleb and how even in their old age, um, their eyes didn't grow dim, their bodies didn't grow weak, they didn't die of sickness, they just died because it was their time, that it was just their, pa they passed and, you know, there was no sickness, there was no pain, it was just their time. And that's one of the things that we prayed over him is, you know, you don't have to pass in sickness, you don't have to um, succumb to the horrible things that are happening. Um, and we prayed over, we prayed all that over the guy and we left and um, we went and did more ministry and stuff like that. And it was, um, I, I honestly forgot about it for a while until at the very end of the trip, um, the pastor's wife came up to us and told us um, that the next day the family contacted them and said that he, uh, and said that the next day the guy um, had a smile on his face. He had no pain. Um, God completely healed him. And it was, it was his time, but he passed painlessly. And the thing that really, like, kind of stuck with me is, like, you know, even, even through, you know, the fear of, is my house going to come down? Even through um, the fear of, um, you know, how am I going to rebuild um, God was still working. God was still healing. God was still doing his thing. Um, it's really just a matter of, are you, are you joining him? That's kind of one of the biggest things I took away from all this was, you know, join him in his work and you'll see it. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'm just going to wrap it up here real quick. Um, it, was, it was an awesome trip. Thank you. I want to say thank you guys for praying, for giving. Um, it, was, it was powerful. I'll be honest, I didn't want to go. Um, two days before we were scheduled to leave, I was really excited. And on Sunday morning, 
my mother called me and said, your grandmother has passed away. I didn't want to go on this missions trip because that, that meant for me I was sacrificing going to her funeral. I love my grandmother very much, was very, very close to her. But, it, you know, I, I started thinking about, I thought, what, what way can I honor her better, you know? And I, I decided to, to go on this trip, and, and it was a sacrifice, but God honors sacrifice still. And I, you know, I, I, I did that, and I went, and it was hard at first, but the Lord really, he just worked in my heart, too, during that trip. But saw so many things. I was talking to the pastor there. He said they hadn't had a major earthquake since 1908, and since December 28th, and this was a couple weeks ago I talked to him, he said they've had over 3,000 earthquakes that have happened. They're, they're very concerned, and there's a lot of fear right now in this place. They're very concerned. Some, if you look at the map of where the earthquakes are happening, um, there was one that happened in Jamaica while we were there. I think maybe some of you saw that on the news. Um, when that earthquake happened in Jamaica, it woke up a, the fault line, the same fault line you followed over in the middle of the ocean outside of Puerto Rico. There's a fault there. And once that earthquake happened, this one started waking up. And they said, if this area of the ocean ever has a 7.0 earthquake or higher, it will trigger a tsunami that would cover, you know, could potentially cover the entire island. It would be a devastating tsunami. So there's a lot of fear in, in that place right now. I talked to a pastor's wife who said, I sleep with my shoes on. I said, well, you sleep with your shoes on? Why do you sleep? She said, because in the middle of the night, when the ground shakes, I'm up and out of bed, I'll run out the door. There's just, there's just a fear there's a fear of what if you saw some of the pictures and we saw house after house on the ground um, with sometimes people in them. But most of the time, by the grace of God, people were getting out and things. But, you know, I talked to I talked to many people. I don't have a house anymore, but that's OK. I have my life. Um, we spoke with one lady in a town. We were up in a town. I think it was Penuelas. And we were up in there, and there was a, there was a big open area with, with just a couple of tents, and it was just a couple of families there. And we said, what? oh, we thought there would be more people. And she said, no, there was 200 people yesterday. They've all gone home, but they'll be back tonight because there was a 5.0 earthquake today, and they're all going to be in fear. They'll come back here. But we talked to her, and she said, I can't go home because I don't have a home. And we said, your house is just on the ground. Yeah, it's on the ground. She said, FEMA came in. And uh, they were, they've been given millions of dollars to help with the rebuilding in that area. And she said, they gave me a check for $800. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with $800. I guess I'll be living in a tent until, you know, whatever. But we talked to her. She didn't know the Lord. And she asked the Lord into her heart. And, uh, you know, in the middle of all that, God, God touched her. And we were able to pray with her and just bless her with some finances and, and not much, but gave her a little bit that we had in her pocket. And and, and prayed for her, but it was, it was amazing to see, uh, to be able to bring hope, you know, because that's the thing. We all got to have hope in us, but when there's, I, I read a story years ago, and, they, and it was about a place that, you know, had kind of lost hope, and the guy made this statement. He said, where there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the present, and, uh, you know, we got to, we have a hope in a future. It's our hope in our, our future isn't dependent on if we have a house or not. Our hope in our future isn't dependent on how much money we got in our pockets. Our hope in our future is found in Jesus. And that's the message that we were taking to people. We got to go into a lot of places and minister to kids and minister to the adults, the parents. And all. it was just, it was powerful to see God moving. And I'm so thankful that we got to go. And God, God touched a lot of people. We saw people with, we didn't even mention it, but we saw miracles happen while we were praying for people during church services. We saw one lady, I'll just share one quick one and I'm done. We saw one lady, she came up for prayer. She said, pray for me, I can't lift my arm up further than 
this. I think she had been in an accident or something like that. She couldn't raise her arm higher than that. We prayed for her, boom, right away. The Lord touched her, healed her body. We saw that, we saw that repeatedly many, many times throughout our, our trip. God touching people in miraculous ways. But most of the people, when we said, what do you need prayer for? It was not, it was not they, even if they had a physical ailment, they wanted prayer for their heart because they had so much fear. But we saw God touching people and moving. So I want to say again, thank you for praying. Thank you for sending this team. And it was, it was impacting. It wasn't what we intended to do when we set it up in September. It was going to be a different kind of trip. And I'm glad that we got to go and just minister in the way God sent us. So thank you guys for praying for us. Amen. Amen. Uh, children, you can go. And uh, let's, uh, let's just bow our heads and pray for uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, we thank God for the opportunity to minister and, and for the fruit that's going to remain. But uh, even so, uh, they, need, uh, they need continued prayer. Father, I, we lift up right now the people of Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. We thank you, Father, for your grace, Lord, that while this team was there, well, where they were, they were on solid ground. That's exactly what we prayed for them. That there, though the earth be shaken and be removed, it wouldn't be removed for them. That because they're established on the rock of Jesus Christ. And Father, let that be so for the rest of those people there. Those churches, Lord, have been devastated. They have to be torn down and start over. Houses, uh, that lady lost, uh, had three cars crushed underneath a, a house. And the house has totally destroyed. She got $800. But more importantly, she's got Jesus now. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We bind the enemy that's tried to destroy that that. Uh, island nation, island country. And, and Father, we just thank you, oh God, for blessing those pastors. Thank you that you, as Joelle said, that Lord, you do nothing without revealing yourself to your servant, the prophets first. So Father, thank you for your revelation to them. Thank you for continued revelation. Thank you for continued favor and, and provision. And Father, we thank you for uh, just helping the people, encouraging the people, using those churches to your glory, Father. What an opportunity to preach the gospel, the gospel of hope, the gospel of faith. That the faith in God uh, can give us strength through the midst of every storm. Didn't say the storms wouldn't come, but it'll help us through the storm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I just uh, I knew that they were going to do that. Wasn't sure how long we're going to take. And so I just have, uh, I'll, make this, I'll make this brief. But um, uh, I, want to, uh, I want to talk this morning for just a few minutes one of you, when we, you know, she was quoting Amos 3, um, Spirit to Prophets, when you look at the Old Testament, who do you think of when you think of the heroes of faith? It's, uh, it's people like, uh, you know, you look at David and, and some of that and Josiah, but you always think of uh, the prophets. Who is probably the greatest prophet uh, of the Old Testament? Anybody? Elijah, who? You know, and that, that's what I think of. You know, Elijah was probably the greatest prophet. Now, Elisha actually did more uh, than Elijah did as far as miracles and so forth. But Elijah is the one that gets all the recognition, all the fame. And um, <clears throat> so in, uh, in, in thinking about that, I, I was just uh, thinking about, well, I did kind of a little character study. I don't know if you've ever done that. But I mean, who was Elijah? Well, Elijah, first of all, means Yahweh is my God. Okay, that's a pretty good name, right? Elijah means Jehovah is my God. 
Oh, that's, that's a pronouncement. He came from the east side of the Jordan River in, in the uh, uh, tribe area of Gad, but he just pops up one day in history. He appears first in 1 Kings 17, and he's in the northern area of Israel, the ten tribes. You know, they've broken off from the other two of Judah, so he's in the nation of Israel. At the time he's there, there's an evil king and his more evil wife, Ahab and Jezebel, who are ruling the country. And so God gives Elijah a message to go tell the king. Now, think about this for a second. You're sitting there minding your own business over there near the Jordan River. And one day God, God says, uh, go tell the king that um, I'm going to judge this nation and uh, there's not going to be any more rain until I say so. Do you understand what that means to an agricultural society? There's going to be no rain, no food. You're going to have famine until God says so. Now, would you like to be the guy that go told the king, um, God's judging you and uh, no rain? Okay. But Elijah gets, you know, that, that's so, so Elijah, we know a little character, he's, he's obedient. He actually does it. Okay. He's got a word from the Lord and he goes and tells this evil king that God is judging you and judging your nation. So um, then, because he just told the king that God is judging his nation, he hotfoots it to the desert to hide out for the next three and a half years. And he lives by a, a brook, and his food is brought to him every day by ravens. Blackbirds are bringing his food. Can you imagine what kind of food that might have been? I mean, think about that for a minute, you know. And he's, laying, he's sitting there next to the brook, and then the brook dries up. So now God says, oh, okay, I want you to go to uh, Zarephath. It's not even in Israel. And uh, find a widow there and, and, and live with her. So there's no more water, so he obeys God. He goes to uh, this Zarephath and meets this widow, and he goes in there and says, Hi, I'm Elijah. God sent me here. You're supposed to take care of me. And she says, Well, I got a little pot of oil and a little pot of flour, and we were going to make, my, my son and I were here, and we're going to make this, and then we're going to die because we got no more food either. And, but for the next however long that he's there, that little pot of flour and that little jar of oil don't run out. What a miracle. But have you thought about what he was eating for the last two years? I mean, flour baked in the oil. I guess it's better than starving to death, but I mean, it wasn't exactly like, you know, soup, you know, but, but a supernatural supply of food feeds Elijah and the widow and, uh, and her son, and, um, and then soon um, her son dies, and so Elijah has to pray, and supernaturally God brings a resurrection in that house, and God supplied all their needs supernaturally, and um, uh, then God says, now I think it's time, it's been almost three and a half years, I want you to go back and tell the king that I'm going to send rain. Okay, so tell them judgment's over. 
Elijah runs to Ahab, meets him, and it says, uh, gather all. The, the reason that all this judgment was coming is because they had left Yahweh. And Jezebel had brought forth Baal worship, and Baal uh, was a fertility god of uh, you know, the Assyrians and so forth. And, and anyway, they had left that. So he, he says, oh, by the way, bring all the prophets of Baal up here. So 450 prophets of Baal come up onto Mount Carmel. Okay, uh, I, want you, I got some pictures real quick. I'm going to show you what Mount Carmel is. <clears throat> There's Mount Carmel. See that little building in the top there, in the, up there in the corner? That's a church, and uh, that's the valley of Megiddo. Uh, Jezreel, Jehoshaphat's all the same place. And uh, so there's a church up there, and you can see all the way across. And that is the very spot, they think, who knows, uh, where Elijah met these 450 prophets of Baal. Put the next slide up. And uh, this is the uh, monument that they have uh, made there on top of Mount Carmel. And that's Elijah holding a sword and killing uh, one of the prophets of Baal. Go to the next slide. There's Pastor Connie. And in front of that, and that's the church that's there. And you're up on top of a pavilion there. See that railing there on the left? You look out over the valley there and uh, go to the next one. And this is the view. Um, by the way, if you're interested, we're going to try and do it again this year. If I, I can get at least five couples or uh, individuals that would, or 10, couple, 10 individuals or five couples uh, to go to Israel, the end of October, first week of November, uh, cost for 10 days about with airfare and everything, about thirty-two to 3500 per person. Not cheap. Hotels have gotten ridiculous over there, and so is food. But if you're interested, we get enough people, we'll do it. Um, just one quick, I'll put that slide back up real quick. There's one little thing. See that over there in the top, in the t- kind of over to the right, there's two roads that kind of go like this? That's an airfield. Uh, while we were standing there one day, uh, I was watching that, and suddenly two F-35 uh, or whatever the F-18s were to pop up out of the ground at the back end of the runway and take off together going down the runway. You, c- you can't see there's really no buildings there. It's all underground. It's one of the biggest airfields in the, in the entire country, and it's all underground, hardened concrete. But, you know, and they flew off and went up to, we're not too far from Syria there. You're up by Haifa. So anyway, so you can put the, you can, you're done with that. But the... Um, so he brings those prophets of Baal up, and uh, he has a contest with the prophets of Baal, and uh, he, he, uh, he, he challenges them to show how mighty is their God. And, of course, you know what happens. They, the, the God who comes down by fire and consumes the sacrifice, he's God. And so they dance around all day, and they cut themselves, and they jump up and down. And, and I, I love Elijah. He taunts them. He says, you know, maybe you have to shout a little louder. Maybe your God's a little hard of hearing. So you got to do a little loud. And, and then he says, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he's on vacation. And he, can't, he can't come right now. Uh, and finally he says, or maybe he's in the bathroom. You know, I, I, you know that's just, uh, you know, I guess uh, he can't come right now because he's, he's previously occupied. So anyway, uh, and finally, of course, you know, nothing happens. And then he puts the, uh, the sacrifice himself out and he puts the rocks out and he puts the wood out. He puts the, uh, cuts up the oxen and put it out. And then God, and then he covers everything with water and water and water and water. And then finally God consumes the thing. And then, and as a result, the people say, Jehovah is God. And so uh, he kills, have all the 450 prophets of Baal killed, and a great victory. And then he says, oh, by the way, Ahab, Ahab the rain is going to come. And uh, then he kneels down to pray. He prays seven times, sees a little cloud over there the size of a fist. He said, and says, that's it. 
that by faith. And he said, the rain is coming. In fact, you better get back to Jezreel, better get back to your capital because the rain is going to come so fast, uh, you're not going to make it otherwise. And then he uh, tucks his uh, skirt into his uh, belt and he outruns a horse, a chariot, all the way to uh, Jezreel, outruns Ahab. I mean, that's supernatural stuff is going on in this guy's ministry. And then later he picks Elisha, and uh, then toward the end of his life, uh, he, go, he slaps the water with his uh, coat. He goes across the Jordan River on dry ground. On the other side, a fiery chariot from heaven comes and picks him up, and he doesn't suffer death. I'd say that's a pretty good life. A hero of faith, of the supernatural, of the power of God. I mean, that, that, that's an awesome one. I, I, would, I, would like, I would take that job, okay? Maybe. I don't know. Laying by the brook, being fed by ravens, I give that some thought. But I want you to turn with me to the book of James, chapter 5. And was this your, your verses about the prayer of faith? Yeah, okay. I had forgotten about that. But uh, Pastor Dave preached on this a couple weeks ago, before he left. And he says, is there, is there any among you afflicted? Now, I'm using the King James for a reason, okay? Inflict, afflicted. Afflicted means in trouble, okay? Are any of you afflicted? Have you got troubles right here in River City, okay? Let him pray. Are you merry? Sing. Sing some psalms. Is there any sick among you? And the sick there is the word feeble, weak, impotent, ill, okay? What are they supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Let them pray. The word pray there, um, go back, go back one. Uh, Pray over him. The word pray means earnestly, fervently, okay? With passion, pray over him. Then anointing him with oil. And then it says, and the prayer of faith or the prayer offered in faith, depending on how you read it, will sozo, that word save is the word sozo, will make the sick whole in every way. And the Lord will raise him up okay, from disease, from death, from obscurity. And if he's committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Okay, we always kind of stop there. But now look at the next verse, 17. Elijah, that's Elias, was a man, the NIV says was a human being just like we are. That hero, that powerful man of God, that righteous man, that, that, that anointed man, that spirit-led man was a man just like you. And he prayed earnestly. See, God gave him a word, but what you didn't read was, what we didn't see is God, he prayed for it to happen. And then he prayed again. He was a man subject to the same passions, the same temptations, the same problems, the same you know, uh, arguments with your, you know, your spouse or children. Or he, he's the same guy. He's going through the stuff, the same stuff that you are. 
And he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain on the earth for the space of three and a half years. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave the rain, and the earth brought forth her fruits. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. How are you righteous? Through the blood of Jesus. Every one of you in here, if you've accepted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, is righteous in the sight of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? But think of this. Elijah was a man just like you are. He had the same afflictions, the same desires, the same passions, the same temptations, and he prayed, and God heard his prayer. Not because he was anything special, but because he was righteous, because he believed God. He took God at his word. Now, he went to that king, Ahab, an evil king, and said, um, you know, it's not going to rain until I say so. Now, I can just tell you that if Ahab could have killed him right there on the spot, he would have. But you, you understand the faith that Elijah had to have to go to the king and tell him something like that. It's particularly when it had not not been raining. What proof did he have that it wasn't going to rain? All he had was the word of God. And you know what? He heard God's word. He obeyed God's word. He spoke God's word. And God's word came to pass. Okay. He's a man of courage. He was a man of courage until he told him and then he... <laughs> <laughs> then he had to run out into the desert to save his own life. I want you to put up that uh, slide for me, Brandon. See, God uses ordinary people. Elijah was just an ordinary man. We, we always look at him as, great, as a great hero of faith, and he was. But what made him special? Nothing. He's an ordinary man, but you know what? He had faith in an extraordinary God. Faith in an extraordinary God. He's, he, so as a result, he had faith in God's word. My name, my, his name is, my God is Jehovah. So I have a feeling that he, whatever God said, he was going to do it. He believed it. It wasn't a question. So he became a man of strength, a man favored by God, a man of faith in God. In, um, in the book of Acts, chapter 10, Verse 34, Peter has a revelation. He's been sent uh, you know, a vision of the sheep being let down and all these unclean animals, and God says, kill and eat. And he says, I can't do that. I'm kosher. I would never, I would never eat a pig. I'd never eat, I'd never eat a lobster. I'd never eat shrimp. <laughs> oh, what he's missing. And, you know, just, I'm never going to eat that stuff, Lord. And God says, shows it to him three times, kill and eat, kill and eat. Don't call what I've made clean unclean. And he has a revelation that God is not a respecter of persons. It says this. It says, I realize now how true it is that God does not play favorites. Listen, Elijah isn't any better than you or me. The only thing that made Elijah powerful is that he believed God. He was available for God. He was willing. I guarantee you I had no desire to be in the ministry when I started, even after I got saved. But Lord, I said, I'm willing to do whatever you want. And I know I'm, I know I'm nothing, but, but it's just all God is looking for is somebody who says, I'm available. 
And Lord, if you tell me to go, I'll go. I'll go. You know? I, I think of Elijah on his knees after he's told Ahab now it's going it, to rain. He's proving to him who God is. And Ahab doesn't have the problem. It's really Jezebel. But he gets on his knees and he prays with his head on the ground and he keeps praying. Seven times he prayed and he asked his servant, he said, you see anything yet? No. See anything yet? No. Six times he does that. You know, how many times have you and I prayed for something and didn't see it and quit before we got the answer? See, there's a persistence that's required in prayer. But, but see, Elijah heard the word of the Lord and he believed it. He knew rain was coming. It just hadn't gotten here yet. It's on the way. And finally, the seventh time, the servant says, well, I see a little cloud over there. Because see, up on top of Mount Carmel, you can see over to Haifa and you can see out to the Mediterranean. And, and so he says, I, I see a little cloud away out there. And by faith, Elijah says, that's it. I know God. See, what he knew was the nature of his God. Can I tell you who the nature of our God is? Our God is love. Our God is grace. Our God is forgiveness. Our God is joy. Our God is peace. Our God is power. Our God is healing. Our God is everything we need him to be. So will you believe the word of the Lord? You can be just like Elijah. Ha! Huh. And you can, you can pray and don't stop praying. Say, okay, I thank you for it, Lord. You, we can get into the semantics about whether you can pray more than once or for a thing or not or whether it's lack of faith. I'm going to tell you what. God knows your heart. But don't quit praying. Don't quit believing that God is sending the end. If he told you he would, if he said, I'm the Lord that heals you, then you don't quit believing that, it, that it's on your way, on, your, on his way to you. Elijah, you see, was just a little man, just like us, who believed God. And he wasn't moved by what he saw or what he didn't see. He knew that God would meet his need. He knew that God would provide. I mean, imagine being there by a brook, being fed by a raven. Well, God will take care of me. Didn't say he'd meet all my desires, but he did meet his needs. He goes to the widow of Zarephath and God supernaturally fulfills it, you know, for the next couple of years until, until he needs to go. God provides. God hasn't changed. The nature of God is still your provider. Every need you have. Elijah was a man just like you and I. And he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And it did not. Our prayers are powerful and effective. Effective because God hears the prayers that are offered in faith because you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So when you pray, he is listening. He is hearing and he is providing the way. God says the same way, I love you with an everlasting love. You need to understand that. You need to know that God cares about you. James said to pray. Just like an ordinary man named Elijah. We always look at him as some, some fantastic thing. And he said, then he says, would you put back up James chapter 5, verse uh, 16 and 17 again? I'll go to the next one. It says, pray one for another that you may be healed. Because your prayers are powerful and effective. Why? Not because you're Elijah. 
but because you're a man that God loves. You're a woman that God loves. You can pray and expect to see the same results that Elijah saw. I want to encourage you this morning as I'm coming to a close. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 3 for me. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But could I also say right here, don't think of yourself less than you need to. Because you are somebody in Christ. Jesus loves you. You are, As I said, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. But don't be puffed up just because God uses you. On the other hand, don't be cast down and think, oh, you know, what, what could little old me do for God? Well, you know, God could use, you know, Pastor Dave or Pastor Joelle or, or, you know, they could use somebody, but he'll never use me. God has given you faith too, hasn't he? Given you the measure of faith. Verse four says, for just as each of us have one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. My body has fingers and toes and knees and, you know, eyes and ears and all, every, every, Every part, every member plays a different role to make one whole body. Okay? For in Christ, though we being many, are one body. Each member belongs. Look, I belong to you. You belong to me. We're part of this local body. We're part of the bigger body. But you're, the reason you're in a local church is so that you can get fed. You can minister to each other. You can encourage each other, be, 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 meet each other's needs, go, you know, have some passion together, and then go out from here and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. But we need each other. We belong to each other. The reason we do these home groups is not because we need another meeting. It's because I want you to have a relationship with the body of Christ. If you're not part of one, you're, you're, you're not really fulfilling all of it what God has called you to do. You're part of a local body. You are here for a reason. Each one of you, go to the next verse. It says, we all have different gifts according to the grace that we have. And maybe your gift is prophecy like Pastor Connie. If that's your gift, then use it according to the proportion of your faith. Or maybe it's serving. There's some servants in here. You're doing, uh, you know, feeding the hungry on Wednesday nights and doing other things. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouragement, then encourage each other. If it's giving, some of you have the ability to give tremendously, and we appreciate what you do. And others, not so much. But you know what? We give because it's, that's who we are. If we're leaders, then you should do it diligently. If, it's, if it's, you have a mercy gift, if you're just called to love on people, then do it. Each one of us needs what the other has. I don't have all those things flowing in my life, but you have what I lack. Andrew Carnegie was one of the wealthiest, most prosperous industrials of the, you know, back in the 1800s. And um, he, he founded a small little company called Pittsburgh Steel. And uh, he's famous for his philanthropy, all the libraries, the Carnegie libraries and so forth. Most of the library system in America was funded by, uh, through his wealth. But he said, I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted on my tombstone, my headstone to say, here lies a man who knew, <laughs> who knew how to delegate, who knew what his strengths were and what his weaknesses were. He said, because you have something he says, I, I know how to hire people to do the things I can't do. That's the way it is in the body of Christ. Some of you, some of you are talented musicians. Some of you are intercessors. Some of you are prophets. 
Some of you should be used in the gifts of the Spirit in a more dynamic way than you are. And the only reason you're not is because you don't think you can. God wants to use you. Whatever your gift is, if you're not exercising it in the body of Christ to the fullest capacity that you have because you think, I can't do it, or I'm not worthy, or I'm no big person, then you misunderstand, and we're missing what you could be doing. If you put up Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when I teach the book of Acts to my class, not Timothy, yeah, that one, okay, um, I always have one question on there that most of them get wrong. I make a big deal about it, and then they forget it. And I say, the question I always ask is, what did they say about the disciples in Acts chapter 4? I even tell them where it is. And they can't figure it out most of the time. You know what they said about Peter and John when they were brought before the Sanhedrin? Think about this for a second. Who was Peter? Who was John? They were fishermen. I always like to use the expression, they were rough, blue-collar, hillbilly fishermen from the northern part of, the, of Israel, the Sea of Galilee. They didn't go to seminary. They didn't go to school. All they knew how to do was fish. But they had just healed a man who had been lame for 40 years by the temple at the Gate Beautiful. And when they saw these men and they realized they were unschooled, Actually, the King James says ignorant, but here I like the NIV. It says ordinary men, they were astonished. But you know what they said about them? They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Anybody been with Jesus? Then all things are possible for you. We're all ordinary, but we have an extraordinary God. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Don't neglect your gift which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And 1 Timothy chapter, Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, 6 says, says, Stir up the gift. I remind you to fan into flame or stir up the gift which is God has given to you. Put that back up, 2 Timothy. Every one of you has a gift inside of you. Put up 2 Timothy again for me, would you? Go back to that. Inside of you resides the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. If I've done nothing else in this church, I've tried to lay the groundwork and lay the foundation and an understanding that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you're not ordinary. You have an extraordinary gift inside of you. And God wants you to use it. I believe we're about to embark as a church on an interesting and exciting year, one filled with uncertainty and yet expectation that God is up to something. And I, I believe God is calling each one of us to do something. And God doesn't call the equipped, He equips the willing. And He's given you the equipment that you need. You've got the Holy Spirit. There is nothing impossible for you because there's nothing impossible for God. If God tells you to do it, then you can do it. The big question is, have you asked Him to use you? Because He wants to. That's the reason you're here. Not to sit on a pew, 
not to just, you know, get a good message on Sunday morning and feel like, okay, I can tick that box off. We've did that. No, 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 no. You're here to be equipped to do the work of the ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. It will only be when you look back years and months later, you'll see how God used you. Sometimes in the midst of it, it's hard to see. But we're called to be his hands and his feet to this world and to this generation. Juanita Arnold came up to me a few minutes ago before the service and said, you remember my coworker that we prayed for a few weeks ago? She had cancer. Well, she went back to the doctor and the doctor says, there's no cancer in your body. How did that happen? We prayed. Ordinary people prayed to an extraordinary God who did remarkable things. We prayed for Nick Griffin a couple weeks ago. They were concerned about the headaches and the pressure being there. And we said, Lord, let there not be anything there. Nothing. Well, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. back up again because he's healed he's got some minor issues that thank you father that you've healed Nick in the name of Jesus so all I'm trying to do today is just a simple message get you to understand that God wants to use you and I appreciate that so many of the body of Christ in this church have been used for, for a long time but I want to tell you there's a lot more and there's more you could be doing. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray in a second. And then I want you to stand up and I want you to pray with each other. But you know what? God has a gift for you. Every one of you, inside of you, is lives the Holy Spirit. And I believe God wants to use you in the nine gifts of the Spirit. He wants to use you in words of knowledge and prophetic words. He wants to use you in gifts of healing and miracles. He wants to use you with a gift of word of wisdom, gift of word of knowledge. He wants to use you the gift of discerning of spirits. He wants to use you to cast out demons. He wants you to lay hands upon the sick. He wants you to preach the gospel. He wants you to show love. He wants you to be an encourager. He wants you to be a server. He wants you to be a teacher. He wants you to be all that God has desired for you to be. All your dreams. God says, yes, all you got to do is step into it and receive receive the anointing of the Lord. Just stand to your feet with me right now. Father, I pray for your church. Lord, that we're, while we're ordinary people, we have an extraordinary God. And God, I just pray right now for a supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your people, that they'll be open to say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? How do you want to use me? Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to proclaim the word of the Lord. I believe God is speaking to me, and this is what I hear him saying. Or I believe he wants me to, to do something, this for you, or whatever it may be. But Father, I thank you for taking Revelations 12, that whatever gift we have, we will, we will operate in it according to the proportion of our faith. And I pray our faith will go larger and larger and larger. The more you're used by God, your faith will expand. God has a place for you. He has a time for you. This is it. This is now. And, and he has a work for you to do. Lift your hands up, Father. You're anointing. 
Lord, let there be an impartation of the Holy Spirit and power upon your people, that they will rise up to take their rightful place in the body of Christ. Lord, some you're called to serve, some you're called to give, some you're called to, uh, the, Lord, the leadership, some, Lord, you're called to, uh, every one of us has been called to pray for the sick. Every one of us has been called to intercede for the lost. Every one of us have gifts and calling that you are placing in them. Lord, even now, stir up the gift within them by your Spirit, oh God. Stir it up, Lord. Fan it in the flame today, oh God. Lord, that they won't be content to sit on the pew. Lord, they're not going to be content until you use them. And they're going to walk by faith into the calling that you have for them. In the name of Jesus. And everyone that agrees, say, I'm filled by the Holy Spirit. And I have a work. And God is calling me. He's equipping me. And I'm going to take my rightful place as a child of God in the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, put all your hands down. Anybody need prayer this morning for anything, don't be afraid. Look, we're all part, we're all brothers and sisters. We care about each other. If you have any need whatsoever, lift your hand. Okay, here, 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 there, there. Okay, I want you to find some of those people with hands. If you don't see anybody with hands lifted up, right here, Jim needs prayer. Okay, he needs prayer for diabetes. Okay, he needs prayer. Turn to find somebody else near you and just say, can we pray together? Can I pray for you? Find someone to pray for in this place today. I pray for this worship team, your anointing, your blessing, Lord of God. Thank you for the gift that they have that they're being used. Lord, expand it. Lord, let it become greater and greater, 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 greater. Lord, that they're not even going to believe the gifts and the talents that you've given them. And Lord, it be for your glory, oh God. I bind fear, doubt, and unbelief in the name of Jesus. I bind fear and doubt and unbelief. Thank you, Father, for the call of God in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I bless your people. Lord, they are the head and not the tail. They're blessed going in and coming out. They are ordinary people, an extraordinary God. All things are possible to them. Fathers, let that gift of God be stirred up within them so they can't stand it until they're being used by you, Lord, in a greater measure. Lord, those who have not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues, Lord, I pray that you'll just baptize them even this week. Father, I thank you, O God, for blessing your people, meeting every need. I bless them in the precious, powerful, matchless name of the one who is above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We'll be here Wednesday. God bless.